The reading today is taken from the book of Galatians, chapter 4, starting at verse 8 to 20. Um, The page I've got is 974. Paul's concern for the Galatians. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are, You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Please keep your Bibles open. I'm going to invite Sam in a minute, but I will also send the children out. Before I do that, let me um, pray for both of them. I think, Hannah, you're taking the children. So let me pray, and then the kids can go Sunday school, and um, Sam will be... Uh, preaching for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that you have gathered your people here once more on a a Sunday afternoon for us to um, get together and worship you. We pray for the children as now they um, look at the passage. We pray that they will be engaged. We pray for Hannah who will be teaching them. We pray for Sam that he will Um, remember all the things that you have taught him in his study and we pray for ourselves as well that we will be good listeners of your word amen Uh, let me add my welcome to uh, kenny's it's great to see you all here uh, especially those of you who are here for the first time i'm going to start off with an announcement Uh, rob and i uh, we've created a new rule for church Uh, To be part of this church, you have to pray out loud in every service. And after the service, we're going to have a celebration. The most incredible, wonderful feast. Not this little bit of food here. It's going to be separate. But only the people who pray out loud during the service are going to get to come to that feast. And we're all going to celebrate together how well we prayed and all the great things we said and how much we feel like we're much better Christians because we were so brave in praying such excellent prayers. 
We're going to rejoice in the praise that we give each other. You see, following what Jesus says isn't enough. You need to do things the way that Rob and I want you to do too. If you're feeling worried, it's okay. It's just an illustration. (laughs) But in all seriousness... Yeah, I was going to say, no one left. I obviously didn't act well enough. Barry was thinking about legging it. In all seriousness, we, we love to think we're doing the right thing, don't we? And we love it when we do something that someone else has told us to do, and we get praise for it. I love it when the kids in my class, I'm a teacher, when the kids in my class do what I say, and another teacher or a member of staff puts their head in the door and says, oh, it's, it's lovely and calm in here. Which basically means the kids, you know, they're not making any noise. And I, and I love that. My head just goes... Basically means that I'm doing the right thing. I've got it right. So we are by nature very proud human beings. We love the praise of men. So when we have to rely on someone or something else to live our lives, by nature we are resistant to that. When life isn't about what I can do or what I've done, we don't like it. When someone tells us that we should put our trust in Jesus, actually our sinful hearts want to do things our way. With a little bit of Jesus stuff that we like thrown in, okay. But our way is best and our way is the right way, so everyone else should do it too. Now the Jewish Christians, um, who were the false teachers that were influencing this church in Galatia, they thought this too. They thought they'd got it right And so all of the Galatian Christians should follow their rules. The circumcision party, Paul calls them. Sure, be a Gentile Christian, but you've got to eat like a Jew. You've got to celebrate all the Jewish feasts and things. And you've got to get circumcised if you want to be a proper Christian. And so when someone stuck their head in the foreskin chopping room and said, Oh look, this is great. All those Gentile Christians becoming proper Christians. They would have loved it. Everyone is doing things our way, the right way. When they all sat down to celebrate the latest Jewish feast, those special days, weeks and months, everyone would have been proud. Look at us. Look at us all. We're doing things the right way. Shame about those people over there who aren't joining in. And the Gentile Christians would have loved it too. Look at what I'm doing to make myself a better Christian. Aren't I such a good Christian? It's like when a student gets an exam paper back with a big A star on the front. That really kind of warm, bubbly feeling inside. Or is it level nine now or whatever it is? They wanted a big well done from the teachers. But not everyone liked this. And in fact, in, in the bit of Galatians that Verona read to us, we see an anguished Paul. He's in despair. He's pleading with these Galatian Christians. He feels at enmity with them. And he wishes he was wrong about them. He's perplexed. You can imagine him writing, right? You can writing this bit of the letter, tears in his eyes, thinking, how has this church got to the place where they have deserted the gospel and are trying to do things their own way? And as we walk through the passage, God wants to show us that being a Christian is all about freedom in Christ. Trusting in Jesus, treasuring the gospel and and Christ being formed in you. And that prideful religion makes you a slave again.
prideful religion makes you a slave again. Being a Christian is about freedom in Christ. Prideful religion makes you a slave again. And he starts off um, by talking to the Galatians about a relapse, about them going back to slavery. We started the language of uh, slavery last week. Rob Rob introduced it to us. Um, Look at verse 8. It says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. And last week we saw that both Jews and Gentiles, non-Christians, were enslaved in different ways. The Jewish Christians were, the Jews were enslaved to, to the law. And actually that showed them it's not possible to free yourself from sin. And the Gentiles were enslaved to their sin, their pagan religions. The, the, and, and even some of like the demonic stuff that went with that. And then Paul is, so Paul is reminding them again, you were slaves. You were slaves. And then he reminds them that God knows them. Verse 9, now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. Remember Galatian church, remember Beckentry church, verse 4 to 6 in, in chapter 4. Verse, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under a law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God has adopted you into his family. Galatians, he's freed you from slavery. He's freed you from trying to keep the law. And now you're his son and heir. But the Galatians are walking away from those promises. It's a bit like a prisoner who's been set free, turning around and walking back to the prison to get himself locked up. And Paul says, how? How, knowing the love that God has shown you in adopting you into his family, how could you go back to pursuing meaningless religion? How could you chain yourself back up in godless pursuits after knowing the freedom of being God's child? You see, by following false teaching that says you must follow Jewish law, they were basically turning, turning themselves back to a pagan religion. Saying that what God had did, what God has done, that Paul's reminded them of, that's not enough. You've got to please men as well. They're slamming the door in God's face and saying, actually God, we can do this ourselves. We don't need you. We don't need to cry out, Abba, Father. We just need to get circumcised. Eat Jewish food, follow these special days, months, weeks and years. And they're ignoring the spirit of God in their heart to pursue a religion that they themselves feel like they're earning their status. They're A star, they're well done from the Jewish Christians. And so Paul writes verse 11 to them with a heavy heart. He says, I am afraid I may have labored over you. In vain. He feels like he's wasted his time with them. That gospel that he spoke to them, the good news of Jesus, the wonder of being adopted into God's family as his son and heir, freedom from slavery, all this has been replaced by a sinful, people pleasing, proud religion. And I reckon at this point in his letter, he would have put his pen down 
got down on his knees and cried out to God. He would have cried out, God help me to show this church that you are all they need. Help me to show them that Christ is all they need. And so as he picks up his pen and keeps writing, he does two things to try and reteach them the wonder and value of the gospel. First of all, he reminds them of when they first heard the gospel, and then he tries to show them their pride. So the second thing is a reminder, you used to treasure the gospel. Look at verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Paul is saying, become like me, right? I, Paul, who was a Jew, I gave up my Jewish religion to be free in Christ. And now I am living like a Gentile. I'm living like you. If you ask Paul who he was, he wouldn't say, oh, I'm Jewish. He would say what he wrote down in Galatians 2.20. He would say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says you need to go back, you need to go back to being free in Christ. Living like a Gentile Christian. And then he shows them what that used to look like for them when they first heard the gospel. He tells a little story for them. Remember, verse 13. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. And so it makes sense because of verse 15 that, that this bodily ailment he talks about was something to do with his eyes. So imagine, right? Paul comes to them, the Galatian Christians, he's stopping in Galatia because he's unwell. And he comes to them with swollen, red, watery, pus-filled eyes. And he preaches the gospel. And they didn't care about his watery, swollen, pus-filled eyes. They just hung on his every word. And in those days, disease and illness would have been much more of a stigma than it is now. But you imagine now, even if I, st- even if I stood here and I had some disgusting eye infection, or a massive purple boil on my head, or like a stinky gangrenous leg, you wouldn't be listening to what I was saying. You might not be listening to what I'm saying anyway. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be listening to what I'm saying. Right? You'd be thinking about, oh, that's gross. Uh, why doesn't he go and see a doctor? But he says, he says, you could have gone to that smooth, handsome, smooth-talking preacher over there. <laughs> but you listened to the words I was speaking. More than that, you received me as if I was an angel of God. You received me as if I was Jesus himself. More than that, you would have ripped out your own eyeballs to fix my broken ones. So not only did they listen to the gospel but they acted it out in sacrificially caring for Paul but all that's gone look at the sad contrast of verse 16 have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth you treated me like Jesus but now I feel like I'm your enemy 
What's happened to that passionate, caring group of Christians who look past the mess of Paul's body to hang on to the beautiful words about Jesus? Now they're hanging on to the words of the smooth-talking Jewish Christians. I'm going to be honest, I was really challenged as I thought about this. How often do we complain about what church looks like? How often do we sit through a sermon with a critical mind towards the person who's speaking? Or how often do we ponder on the mistakes of people leading the service up the front? How often is your experience of church and the discussions you have after church, maybe in the car or the walk on the way home, about something that people didn't do? Or the things that weren't done very well and how you could have done it better. If you're feeling guilty right now, trust me, when I wrote this, I was. You need to ask God for forgiveness. And remember the moment you were saved. Remember a time when you would hang on to every word or thing done in the name of Jesus. Remember when your heart was so passionate for God, you would have sat through the most boring of sermons and the most ear-splitting of songs with joy in your heart because you were celebrating Jesus and listening to the good news of a saviour who died on a cross so that you could be free. And even today, turn your discussion about church into what you heard about the wonder of Jesus and the truth of the Bible, not just today, every Sunday from now on. Talk about the things that were done in church to honour Jesus. And I guarantee to you that all the things that are done up the front of church here, however unattractive or disorganised they might seem sometimes, are done by a group of people that love Jesus and want you to know him better. So Paul tells the Galatian church, remember, remember when you looked past the unattractiveness of me to the beauty and wonder of the gospel I was speaking. I'm telling you, look past the things you find unattractive about church to the beauty and wonder of the gospel that we speak and pray and sing and live. Because if Jesus is at the centre of what we do at Beckentry Church, then we're doing the right thing. And Paul then goes on, he, he reveals something to them. He reminds them of when they heard the wonder of the gospel. He reveals something to them. He says, pride is replacing your faith. Verse 17. They make much of you, the they is the, the Jewish Christians, the false teachers. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. The motivation for the Jewish false teachers that are coming to the church was pride. They would have felt so proud when they saw the, the Gentile Christians following their ways. And they would have made the, the Galatian, the, the Gentiles, feel good for following their rules. And everyone would have had that nice, warm, fuzzy feeling in their hearts. But if you weren't following the rules, then you would have been shut out. And people don't like being shut out. FOMO, right? You heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out. Okay? So if, if everyone is at this great Galatian church event and the doors are shut and you're on the outside because you've got a foreskin or you didn't attend the latest feast, then you're going to feel rubbish. You're going to have major FOMO. While everyone is inside getting a boost of being part of the circumcision party, your pride is going to take a severe beating. 
And so the temptation to join the, the, the Jewish Christian club becomes all the more stronger. Right? The more you're shut out, the more you want to be part of what's going on. Remember the new rule Rob and I are introducing. Remember? To be a Christian here, you have to pray out loud. And when I announced our exclusive post-church celebration, for those people who are following that rule, a couple of things would have happened. First of all, some of you that had never prayed out loud in church before might have prayed out loud. Why? Well, not because you love Jesus, but because you want to come to our celebration. And you want me to praise you. You want me to be proud of you. And also, some of you would not have been allowed to come to that feast because you didn't pray out loud. And your pride would be hurt. And you would be tempted to follow the rule that Rob and I had set out, even though it's wrong. And that's basically what was happening to the Galatians. These Christians were willing to throw aside the good news of Jesus, to receive the praise of men, and to feel good about what they were doing. You should not be doing things in a church to make people feel proud of you or to feel proud yourself. You should not be boasting about the human things of church. But there is something to boast about, isn't there? In verse 18 it says, It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. So what's that good purpose? Well, spoiler alert to Galatians 6.14. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. This is what you should be making good about. This is what you should be boasting about. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The only thing that the Galatian church should boast in, the only thing that we should boast in, is the thing that we can all celebrate. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, where our slavery to sin was dealt with. Nothing else should be added to that. Your ability to pray, study the Bible, sing, your ability to follow church rules, should not be added to the cross of Jesus. Being a Christian is about humbly following Jesus. Jesus said it, didn't he? The first shall become last. And the last first. It's about following Jesus, putting him first and yourself last. Not lording it over others with how you think things should be done. And that's good news. Because it means there's no exclusivity within God's people. If you trust Jesus, then you're saved. Full stop. And if you're not a Christian then you need to hear this, right? You don't have to be able to do the same things that other people in this church do to be a Christian. Yeah, you don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to stand up the front. You don't have to lead worship. You don't have to look after the kids. All you need to do is trust in Jesus. This church is not here to try and make you like us as people. We are here to show you that salvation is for everyone if you are willing to trust Jesus to set you free from your sin. The only criteria for you to start the process of becoming a Christian is to cry out to Jesus and say, please come into my life. I'm sorry for trying to live without you. And that can happen today. 
You can pray that in your hearts or come and speak to myself, Rob, Kenny. Trust in Jesus. Then as we finish this part of Galatians, we find Paul, he's in anguish once more. Look at verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He's crying out in childbirth-like pain, the most extreme of pain, at seeing them walk away from Jesus until they turn away, until they once again turn to him. Your religion is no reason to boast, Galatians. Remember, become as I am, free in Christ. You're still baby Christians. You should be wishing to breathe Christ, to live for nothing else than Christ, to give Christ all the glory. Remember that God knows you. He cares about you. Remember when you first heard the gospel, that passion you had for Jesus. That's what you need to keep growing. That's what you should be boasting about. Give up your prideful religion. Give up trying to give the, please these false teachers and turn back to the one who set you free from slavery on the cross and adopted you into his family. Like little children need their parents, this Galatian church need their Abba Father. And like Paul, you might know people who are, uh, have walked away from Jesus, who have added rules to being a Christian. Cry out to God for them. Pray for them. And if you have a good relationship with them, try and remind them of when they were saved. Of when they had a passion for Jesus. And show them their pride. Show them that the good news of Jesus, that adding things to the good news of Jesus, only takes them back into slavery. And I want to finish with a question for those of us who are Christians. Are you trying to please people or are you trying to please Christ? Are you living for men or are you living for Christ? What was your motivation for coming to church today? Was it to get credit for all the Christian things you've done this week? Or did you come to rejoice in Christ and grow in knowledge and understanding of him? You see, this issue with the Galatians is not just an early church problem. This is a problem for us. Right? Some churches, some online preachers, some friends and family who are Christians will say to you, you need this or you need that to be a proper Christian. People will say, oh, you, you have to speak in tongues to be saved. If you speak in tongues, well done. You've got the Holy Spirit. Enjoy that warm, proud feeling. Shame about those people over there who call themselves Christians and can't speak in tongues. Or if you have the right level of faith, then God will listen to your prayers. And do exactly what you wish. Those people over there, their prayers aren't being answered. They can't have enough faith. People might say to you, you've got to pray out loud to be a Christian. You've got to serve on a team at church. You've got to make an effort. You have to come to church every Sunday. Or you have to pray twice a day. Or you have to give this amount of money. Now those things might be a response to loving Jesus. But to make any of those things a criteria for being saved is turning your back on Jesus and saying that what he has done is not enough. That we need something else. And if you're doing that as a Christian, you are starting to wrap yourself back up in the chains of slavery. And you need setting free. Paul has already quoted from Habakkuk in chapter 3. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. Trust in Jesus. If you're adding something to the gospel, however small it is, 
Turn back to the gospel of Jesus. Trust that his salvation on the cross is enough. And pray that Christ would continue to be formed in you. And what I want to do now is I just want to give a couple of minutes for us to reflect. For us to search ourselves in our hearts for what we might be doing to add to the gospel. For, what we, for where we might be trying to please men instead of trying to please Christ. And then to pray in your hearts that God would forgive you. And that your focus would be for Christ to be formed in you. Let's do that now for a couple of minutes and then I'll pray to finish off. Lord Jesus, we know that it pains you, it hurts you when we try and add things to your word. When we live our Christian walk to please each other, to please church leaders, to feel good. Thank you, Lord, that you died to forgive us from these things. Lord, I thank you for the truth that you set us free from the slavery of sin on the cross, Lord. And I pray that our focus... As we, as we live out our Christian lives, would be that Christ is formed in us. Holy Spirit, please help us to live a life with Christ at the centre, to walk our Christian walk with you at the centre, to want to please you, to want to worship you in everything that we do. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, help us as a church. In Jesus' name, Amen.